meditation, once considered as something for the monks and hippies, is now as mainstream as ever. From the beaches of Bali to the boardrooms, high-power CEOs, award-winning actors, Olympic athletes are all taking to meditation. Meditation has gone global and the benefits are vast, which is why in this series, we invite accomplished guests who have embedded meditation deeply into their lives. Along our journey, we've been meeting people from different professions and countries. One profession, the profession of being an entrepreneur, is said to be more of a lifestyle than a part-time or a full-time job. It takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. Their challenges are unique and so are their habits and their mindsets. Today, our guest is a young entrepreneur who has been meditating since he was a kid. Sanjeev Aluwalia is a managing director for his technology services company who has been working in the UK for the past couple of years to manage the integration and growth of the company's UK office. I am eager and excited to chat with him about the art of balancing his life. Let's go ahead and welcome Sanjeev Aluwalia on the show. Hi Sanjeev, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? Doing well, doing well, Sanjeev. It's so nice to be able to talk to you and I hope you're doing well. I know you're you're juggling with two little kids and your own business. But Sanjeev, I know you've been meditating since you were a young kid yourself. So tell us about your experience or your journey in Sahaj Yoga, indicating, you know, any milestones that you feel that our listeners might be able to relate to. Sure. So, so for, you know, my experience has been pretty uh, unique from a, from a meditation perspective in the sense that, you know, most people, you know, go about their normal lives and then maybe at some point down the road, they learn about meditation, they discover it and they take, you know, an active choice, so to speak, to, uh, to start meditating. So for me, you know, my parents met in Sahaja Yoga when they were in their early 20s. And so, you know, as early as I can remember, uh, you know, I've been meditating and it's been a very pivotal part of, of my life. If, uh, if there was one point where I'd say, you know, you know, if there's one point that I'd think of as, as a kind of big milestone, you know, in my own childhood, uh, it was when I went to um, our, uh, our school in Dharamshala, International Sahaj Public School. So Sahaj Yoga has a, uh, has a boarding school in the Himalayas, uh, close to Dharamshala, and it's an international school. And that was a really interesting experience. I went there when I was in, uh, you know, first, second, third, and fourth grade, right? So I was roughly, you know, six, seven, eight, and nine when I went to school. And, you know, it really, in many ways, I think it pushed me outside of, of my comfort zone. And, you know, in a way, you know, pushed me to, you know, address a lot of things that I think many people might not ever address, or if they do address after, you know, they take those things on at, at a much later stage in their life. But, you know, we were, you know, six, seven-year-old kids. We were missing our parents. We were uh, from many different countries and cultures, right? So America, all over Europe, just about every European country, India, you know, many Asian countries, you know, African countries. And we all had different cultures. We had different habits that we had grown up with, even at a very early age. You know, those habits do sink in a little bit. And we all had to, over the course of you know, many years that we lived and studied together, we moved past those superficial differences, those superficial cultural, national, you know, ethnic differences, so to speak, and form really deep, long-lasting bonds with each other that were forged through the experiences that we shared, 
but also the common set of Sahaj values that we had, which, you know, on a very deep level, we realized, you know, superseded any sort of, you know, superficial, um, you know, superficial kind of national values that you might have come to the school with. So I think that was a really, you know, pivotal experience uh, for me growing up as a child. And then the next experience, I would say, or the next, you know, you can say surprise, so to speak, was when I actually, uh, you know, moved to Dallas. So when I, when I stopped going to, you know, boarding school in Darmshall and I actually came back and it was in the late nineties and I was essentially in a, you know, suburban town in Dallas. I was in Plano at the time. And, you know, it was, it was a really big transition because you, you've had all these experiences. You've, you know, been in India, you've, you've met people from so many different countries. You've, you know, gone, you've meditated together. You've, you've uh, gone on, you know, treks and you've explored all around India and, and all of a sudden you're back at home, so to speak. And you have to, you know, kind of find common ground with people that haven't had any of these experiences, you know, and, and have a totally different perspective. So I think growing up as a child, kind of finding a way to uh, kind of relate to the, to, to people that you were in school with and, you know, know that, okay, you had, you know, there were things that you did that were kind of much different to what everyone else did, so to speak. Uh, you know, that was clearly, you know, probably a part of early, you know, late childhood, you know, and then the interesting thing though, is that once I, you know, started finishing high school and we started going to university, meditation was actually a topic that people were more familiar with. They were, you know, showing interest in it. It was something that was gathered, that has been gathering a lot of interest, you know, even over the last 10, 15 years. And so to see people interested, you know, and, and all of a sudden they, you know, they knew that I meditated and they wanted to learn about it. They wanted to learn about Sahaja Yoga and, and what we did and, and, and what meditation meant for us. And so I had a really nice time in, you know, my late high school and, and university and then, you know, professional years, actually talking to people about Sahaj, um, explaining what we do and how we do it. And in many cases, people have been really interested and have wanted to try it out for themselves. You brought up a really good point because the whole concept of, you know, the school that you went to, I mean, you learned some things which are so needed in the world today. I mean, it's so relevant, Sanjeev, you know, the divides we're seeing and everything. And it's so beautiful for you to have, you know, gotten past, like you said, at a rather than later, you know, you could do that sooner. So coming to now, you know, the challenges of your profession and, you know, just trying to understand how meditation helps you there. So like in most jobs, you can leave the work behind you when you go home. But when you are a business owner playing different roles, there's rarely a moment that you feel your work is done for the day. There's always something more you could be doing. You could be researching new markets, contacting media, keeping up with trends, developing new, you know, product services, and the list could go on. And that can eat away at the time that you could have been spending either with your family, yourself, or relaxing. Now, to enjoy a good quality of life, one has to learn to draw boundaries and, you know, cultivate that habit of slowing down and stopping at times. So how do you identify such moments when you need to detach from work? And how do you actually detach? And does meditation help you with that? Sure. Uh, so if I were to see, you know, if I were to think about different ways that you know, meditation has, you know, made an impact on my life professionally. I would say that, I mean, there's so many different things, but I think one of the things that comes to mind is just as a 
as a, uh, you know, let's say as someone responsible for a business and, and, you know, you could be a business owner, you could be an entrepreneur, even a, even a general manager, you know, in a, in a, in a company who's responsible for a business line, you know, one of the biggest things that can happen is, you know, in a position like this is, is, is being, you know, bombarded with, you can say stimuli or different, uh, you know, different issues that come up that could take away from your focus. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at a business, the one of the, the most important things to be able to successfully run a business is focus and to have an, you know, have a clear idea of where you want to go, define that um, strategy for yourself or that vision for yourself and the company, and then move in that direction with a lot of focus and determination and discipline. And you have to be able to figure out when there's genuinely new information that's coming up that might compel you to change direction. And when you know, you're just experiencing a bump in the road or you're experiencing something that's actually a distraction, that's not part of the bigger picture. And I think one of the things that you know, meditation and, and Sahaja Yoga in particular has always helped me with is as a very strong sense of, of focus and, and of non-reaction, so to speak. So you know, to be successful, I very strongly feel that you have to have a non-reactive approach to you know to, to stick to what needs to be done without letting things you know uh, take away from your balance so to speak and I think for for us in, in Sahaja Yoga you know balance being in what we call a state of thoughtless awareness um, actually funny enough it saves you so much energy because we waste so much energy in many cases thinking about things that that we don't need to be thinking about so if you actually think of you know your mind or your attention as a as a finite resource, right? Um, you know your 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 brain really can only shoot so many synapses, right? Before you get tired and need to go to sleep, then you think, okay, well, if I'm in a state of meditation and I'm doing things in a state of meditation, think of all the synapses that your brain's not firing, right? Think of all the energy that you're saving. You're not thinking about some, you know. Um, you know, something on Amazon that you want to buy, you're not thinking about some new article of clothing that you need to get or some new shop you need to visit or some new food or um, dish at a restaurant that you need to try out or, you know, your mind is very, very focused. And, and, and what at least I've realized in my experience is that when you do something like that, you save so much energy and you actually have so much energy, in some cases, maybe doing twice the work than you would have if, if you were doing a normal amount of thinking about all these other things and letting yourself get distracted. Um, the other thing that I think is, is huge is just is being in a state of emotional balance. You, know, you can waste so much energy uh, you know, getting upset about things or you know, letting something make you sad or letting something make you feel angry or upset or frustrated. And to be able to have a, you know, what we believe is, is a, higher level of spiritual connection where you are connected to a higher power you know you feel that everything happens for a reason you can almost detach yourself and witness everything happening rather than being caught up in it and you know one of the ways that i think my, my dad always uh you know kind of described it for me or an analogy that he described for me was you know like being being uh, in a wheel so to speak so if you imagine a wheel rotating right um you know if you're on the outside or you're on the periphery, you feel like things are moving very, very, very fast, right? It's the same amount of energy being expended or you know, being expressed. But if you're on the outside, you feel like things are moving very, very fast. But if you're deep and then you're in the center, a lot can be happening.
but things still feel like they're not moving at a frantic pace. It's very calm, collected, and, man and manageable. So I think that's, that's one area where I would definitely notice a huge difference. And I make a point to, um, to meditate every day because there is clearly a, a much different, uh, you know, a big difference in the, in the quality of, of my days. If I have my meditation in the morning or I just jump straight into work and you think that you're saving 30 minutes by, you know, not meditating, but actually uh, if you make the time, you have a much more enjoyable, fulfilling and, and productive day. I think the other thing, which is very interesting, and again, I say very particular to Sahaja Yoga, is the fact that when you meditate, your chakras are awakened. And so not only can you feel your own chakras, but you can also feel the chakras of people around you. And if you ask me what's the biggest, I would say, you know, the, you know one of the biggest you know, I don't even want to say advantage, so to speak, but, but one of the biggest positive side effects that you get from doing this meditation is that you yourself are in a state of positivity. Your, your chakras are, are nourished, they're enlightened, and, and you're pursuing, uh, you know, really to be the best version of yourself. But with this state of enlightened chakras and heightened sensitivity, you also then have a very strong feel and sensitivity for who you're around. And if there's one thing that's really amazing about this is the fact that it somehow creates a lot of positivity in yourself and it attracts positive people around you. And, you know, and I think as, as anyone responsible for a business, they would say that, look, the first thing, one of the most important things is the people. It's assembling a great team. If you don't have a great team, there's very little you can do. The first step is having a great team around you. So just the ability to be positive and have so many positive people around you um, is, is really incredible. And, and sometimes it, it even defies logic, you know, but you don't know how all these positive people have come into your life, how they met you, what is it about you that they like, but you've sent some positivity in them. They feel that positivity towards you. And then before you know it, you have a really, you know, really amazing team. Uh, so I think that's one thing. And then the other thing I think that's really, you know, if you look at in particular, if you look at the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, bet between the, um, I guess between the, you know, the, the Swadhisthan, the, uh, the Nabi and, and the heart, you have the, the, what we call the void. Right. And so, you know, one of the biggest aspects, and you can hear Srimadaji talk about this very frequently is, it, is the Guru Tattva, you know, the, the aspect of, of, of discipline, of peace. And I think in, you know, in anything you do, you know, if you, if you want to do it well, I think to have a strong sense of attention, a focus of, of, of Guru Tattva is also um, very, very important. And to uh, be able to meditate, awaken those qualities inside yourself. Uh, I mean, it, it can, you can apply it to your profession, you can apply it to a job, you can apply it to, you know, raising your children, you can apply it to, uh, you know, personal endeavors, uh, but whatever, you want to do in life, if you have that sense of, uh, of, of guru tattva, so to speak, not only is it much more enjoyable, uh, but it, it also seems to, you know, not take as much energy. Because in many cases, you know, as Sri Maharaji, you know, commonly says, you know, you're, regularly says, you know, you're, you're not the doer, right? So um, it, it's kind of the analogy that I, I remember in one of her talks is, you know, you can, you know, you're sitting on a plane, right? And you can decide to either carry the luggage on your head or put it in the overhead compartment. 
right? You think you could just, you could put it on the head, but you're not the one carrying it, right? There's an engine, there's a plane, the whole thing's carrying it. So you can either put it in the compartment or hold on to it. And in the same way, I think if you have, you know, through your meditation, you develop that habit of, of putting things in the compartment and genuinely, you know, you can say almost, you could say surrendering it to a certain level, right? Surrendering those things, surrendering those attachments. In some cases, being in a state of detachment, what you'll find is that so many of the challenges that, that you face while you give them your absolute best, they don't weigh on you emotionally as much as they might if, if you weren't you know, doing something like meditation every day. And they take a lot less of an emotional toll on you than, than they otherwise might have. So uh, those are a few things that, that I can think of. And I think you've touched upon some yeah. very, very important points in your response, but there are some that I'd like you to, you know, maybe elaborate on more a little bit. So meditation, I just said, that has the capability to make a person more empathetic, positive, and a good communicator. Some qualities, you know, that contribute to success as far as the association with your competitors, colleagues is concerned. And you did touch upon that point, working with teams and being more positive because you're a meditator. And uh, so with an improved association with, you know, colleagues, workers, competitors, whoever they are, any entrepreneur can, you know, gain more respect, more cooperation. And in order to be successful, you know, it always helps to have good relations, not just with those outside, but also with whom you work. So tell us, Sanjeev, how you react or not react to people who may seem to be difficult. Do you have like any messages for the listeners as to how meditation helps you deal with those kind of you know challenges. I think that's that's a great that's a great question. I think the you know you have all these you know so you have your chakras right. One of my experiences that usually if you are reacting or you're you know upset about something, maybe it's something that someone said or something that someone's done, it usually goes straight to the agya, right? And so you know clearly we have things that we can do that we say to really open up the agya. And I think one of the things that we'll say sometimes, look, you know, I forgive everyone. You know, I forgive everyone. It's not a specific person or a specific thing, but you just say, I forgive everyone. And I think that uh, there's instances where, you know, that can really open things up for you a lot. I think that, um, you know, you talk about the empathy. Uh, you can, I think when you're talking to someone, sometimes you can, you can feel what someone's saying on a, on a very deep vibrational level. And it does give you a heightened sensitivity, which, Funny enough, you know, go, going to the UK uh, two years ago, I was, you know, it was the first time I'd ever worked in the UK. I, I'd never worked with anyone, you know, in England before. And, you know, it's, it's a totally, it's, it's a completely different culture. It's a completely different way of thinking and on, on every level. And there's things that matter to us in, in America that might not matter to someone in the UK. There's things that matter very deeply to someone in the UK that you might not think twice about. Uh, and so when you have that heightened level of sensitivity and you're talking to someone it might be about a plan or something that you need them to do, or you know, a certain proposition that you have for someone, you can, I think on a very, very deep level, figure out how much it resonates with them and how they feel about it. And you can very quickly, you know, on a very quick timeline, you know, very quickly you can you can figure out what matters to that person. You know what really you know makes them tick. You know, and and if, if there's something happening, you know, if they come into your office, do you feel like their hearts catching? Is there something that's you know um, on their mind on a deep emotional level? Uh, you know, may sometimes you know people might 
disagree with you vehemently, um, but you know, at least to you know, on the surface, you know, they might nod and say, okay, yeah, you know, let's let's do it. But you know, if if you're sitting next to someone and and you feel you know a very strong agya, so to speak, then you can say, okay, wait a minute, you know, I might have said something, but whatever I said, that person is real. They might be very strongly reacting to. So so it can it, it can go both ways. I think there's sometimes where you might be sitting with someone and and you just you know in a very kind of meditative way you can feel their heart you know you can feel that their hearts their heart might be catching a little bit there might be some heat so to speak and, and you can say okay well um, you know let me you know f figure out what's going on is it something personal is he insecure about something at work what can I say to you know put him in a better place or her in a better place emotionally so those are I mean there's so many ways that I think intangible ways that it also helps but th those are a few things that just kind of immediately come to mind. Well, that's great. And I think you're talking from a perspective, from an awareness, which is very different and very subtle from what most people have. You know, the way we look at things, the way we perceive things uh, with a limited mind, that is certainly very different from what you're talking as to, you know, how you deal with people, situations, and seems like it's quite a different uh, mechanism that you've uh, learned to tune into. And then I think you also mentioned about the importance of having internal clarity, because I think deep inside each of us, there is always a stillness and tranquility. But in our nonstop world of existence, you know, it's just easy to forget that we can access it whenever we choose to. And I think just as much as it's hard to work at a cluttered desk and office, the mind also needs to be regularly cleansed and you know, renewed for more clarity. But Sanjeev, before we let you go today, uh, did you have like any final messages for entrepreneurs who are looking for coping mechanisms? Because there is an, you know, inherent stress of this professional engagement, because as a business owner, you are the direct bearer of your choices, your decisions, your actions, as opposed to when you're working for someone else. So if there's anything that you'd like to, you know, speak to that, I would definitely love to hear that. Oh yeah, definitely. I, you know, I would say that you know, as that look as as a as, you know, in our daily lives, in our society, and this is whether you're an entrepreneur, business person, or just you know, a uh, it could you could be anyone, right? But one of the things that you do is you we're constantly ingesting things, right? And I think most entrepreneurs, uh, you know, have an exceptional level of discipline, and most entrepreneurs I know are very conscious and careful about what they ingest not only on a physical level, in the case of, you know, what do you eat, what do you consume? They're also very conscious of what they ingest on an intellectual level. You know, what do they read? What do they let command their attention? Do they just dive into the tabloids? No, they don't. They, you know, they're looking at books, they're looking at things to improve their knowledge. Uh, many entrepreneurs that I know are very disciplined about when they check their email, when they look at the news. Uh, you know, so they're very deliberate about what and when they ingest intellectually. You know, also very many on you know very many entrepreneurs are very conscious and aware of what they ingest emotionally, right? Who do they associate with? Who do they surround them with? Do they surround themselves with people that make them feel good, confident, and 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 recharged and ready to take on challenges, or are they around people that they might feel are, are draining, so to speak? But very very conscious about, you know, if I were to rewind a little bit, very conscious about 
you know, what you ingest physically, what you eat, what you ingest intellectually, what kind of things you read, what kind of media you consume. Very uh, sensitive about what you take in emotionally. You know, who do you associate yourself with? What kind of emotional interactions do you have with people? What I would say is that in addition to that, start thinking about what you ingest spiritually, right? There's so much that we don't know about the world, about the universe, how things were created, what our purpose is, why we're all here. Uh, but on a spiritual level, I think we've arrived at a stage in our evolution and you see everything happening in the world around us. We have not found the answers. You know, as a society, there is so much that we have not found the answers to uh, and, and so much that, that we can fix. And, and what I would challenge anyone that's in a position to impact change around them start thinking about the you know start thinking about what you are ingesting spiritually right what you know what you know what spiritual material are you ingesting are you even thinking about it and what i would strongly suggest is yes you know today make that a big part of your life make that the key and then in some ways i'd say the most important thing that you consider um, in your day-to-day -day life and you know just like there's you know, there's, there's healthy foods, there's unhealthy foods, there's good intellectual material, there's, you know, incorrect intellectual material, there's, you know, positive emotions, there's, you know, toxic emotions that you can ingest. In the same way, I would say there is, you know, there's a lot of different types of meditation out there, but I can very strongly and unhesitatingly with my whole heart recommend that if you are going to make spirituality a part of your life and start you know, making, you know, making spirituality something that you do on a regular basis, then, you know, there are different types of meditation, but Sahaja Yoga is absolutely, in my opinion, the first and only one that you should try, uh, because the, you know, the positive impact that you have, on, that it'll have on your life will be seen everywhere, and it's just, it'll become a very um, integral part to, to who you are, and you, you, you won't, in many cases, you won't, even be able to imagine that you ever thought about living your life without it. So if there's one recommendation that I would say to everyone that is in a position to affect change, and that's as an entrepreneur, as a general manager, uh, or as someone in, in your day-to-day -day life, just you know, think about spirituality, think about what you're doing, and give you know, Sahaja Yoga um, a chance to positively impact your life. It is so great yeah. to hear that from someone as young as you. It's really a very impactful and relevant message. And thank you so much, Sanji, for taking the time and coming and talking to us about your experiences, about your insight. And uh, thanks once again for being on the show, Sanji. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. It was a pleasure to be on the show with you.